Hey guys, welcome to episode four of Operation PlayStation. I'm one of your hosts, Dash. Along with me, a special guest co-host, it is Nick Baker from Xbox Era. How are you, Nick? Good, mate. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Uh, just, uh, you know, rolling off the high of... Um, God of War, Ragnarok, and uh, pr- mm. pretty happy with that. <laughs> pretty happy with that. Let's- Everyone seems to be playing Ragnarok at the moment. Every time I turn on my PS5 and check the friends list, it's literally everyone is playing Ragnarok outside of maybe one or two. Yeah, exactly. The, well, the, they'd be the ones who are playing Call of Duty, yeah? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you anyway? What's been happening? What's, uh, what's been news with uh, Xbox era? How's, uh, how's everything? Yeah, Xbox era is doing okay. Yeah. Um, the podcast is trucking along. The site, the forum. We just launched uh, a web app called Forge Era, where uh, people that make maps in Halo Forge can like you, they can post the map. You can source them. You can download links to them, and it's it's a really really nice tool for Halo Forges. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend to know exactly how it works, <laughs> um, but it's it's. Doing pretty well because we're the. I think at the moment we're still the only ones out there that have anything like this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's been really good. Um, it's, it's, it's very impressive. Just, very impressive stuff. Yeah, well, we just got like um, a couple of affiliate sponsorship type deals for the show too. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's all doing pretty well. Good on you. Congratulations on uh, all the success as well from Xbox Era. I mean, it's it's been incredible. Thanks. Like even even just to watch, like uh, you know. To observe how far it's come and everything else, it's and and how fast uh, its pop- yeah. uh, its popularity has risen. It's it's astounding, and you guys have done a marvelous job over there. So yeah, once again, con- congratulations on all your successes over there, man. Yeah, thanks heaps for that, man. Um, guys, if you didn't know, this is Operation PlayStation. Uh, it's a biweekly conversational PlayStation podcast uh, where I dive in deep and dirty and discover the latest and greatest uh, of PlayStation. And also talk about the latest releases uh, with friends sometimes as well. Um, if you like what you hear today, make sure that you follow us over on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave a cheeky five-star rating. surely helps us out. And also catch the VOD on YouTube and DashGamer.com. On YouTube, subscribe, hit that bell, give us a like, leave us a comment. It helps us out. Um, Nick, I do housekeeping at the beginning of the show, which pretty much is yep. just a quick rundown of the new content that's up on the website on DashGamer.com right now. Um, so I'll just quickly run through those. So we just did a Dark Pictures uh, Devil in Me review. Thanks to the kind folk over at Bandai Namco. Um, Sackboy, Sack a big adventure for PC. Thanks to PlayStation Australia. Uh, New Tales. Oh yeah, New Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, thanks to Two K A and Z. A Plague Tale Requiem. Thanks to Five Star Games. Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. Thanks to Activ- Activision Blizzard. Um, I did an end of year update, so if you guys want to check that out, there it's up there right now. Um, the Dash Game Rewards is on December second, uh, so make sure uh, you guys check out who we have nominated and who you would like to vote for. Basically, um, we'll be talking about the Game Awards as well in a second. Jeff Keighley's Game Awards, and uh, of course, God of War Ragnarok review. Thanks to the kind folk over at PlayStation Australia who provided the review codes respectively on all those games. Um, Nick, uh, is there anything that you want to, anything else you want to pimp that's uh, out right now on Xbox era? 
Oh, nothing, nothing specific, man. Um, just it, it's with us, it's easy now. Having the website, it's very, very easy. Just head on over to xboxzero.com and you can just check everything out there. You can access literally all of it. The news, the reviews, the forum, uh, for Jira Day One, which is our Game Pass web app. Um, you can access the podcast through there. We've also got a Halo podcast called You Had Me at Halo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you can get it all at xboxzero.com. Fantastic. That's awesome, dude. Um, Nick, we're not going to waste any more time. Uh, we're going to jump into the first bit of news, um, which comes by way of Ryan Dinsdale over at IGN, who says, The Game Awards, a 2022 nomination, sees God of War Ragnarok leading with 10 award nods. Mm. Jeez, that's a lot. Um, the article reads, Jeff Is Keighley that as much as Last of Us had, though? I don't know. I think this actually might be more. Ooh, I don't know. I feel like Last of Us Part 2 had more. But Part 2... Oh, you mean Part 2? I thought you meant Part 1. Yeah, yeah no, not... no, no. Sorry, Last of Us Part, part two. 2. I feel like Last of Us Part 2 might have had more. I might have to look that up. Um, the, the article reads, though, uh, Jeff Keighley has announced every nominee for the uh, Game Awards 2022 with God of War, Ragnarok, and Elden Ring leading the way with 10 and 7 nominations, respectively. Uh, God of War Ragnarok's nominations include Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Art Direction, Best Score, and Music, Best Audio Design, 2 in Best Performance, uh, Best Action Adventure, and Innovation in Accessibility. Uh, Elden Ring saw a number of similar nominations, including Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Art Direction, Best Score, Music, Best Audio Design, and Best RPG. Um, So you mentioned, the, the thing is, right, you mentioned... The Last of Us Part Two having a, a, a specific yeah. number, like could possibly be more uh, nominations, um, and then we have like this year with Elden Ring, pretty much. Uh, uh, when you think about it, it's pretty much going to be it's it's head to head right now between Elden Ring yeah, and God of War between the two of them. Yeah, who do you think is going to take it? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a loaded one. Yeah. I I I wasn't a massive fan of Elden Ring, mm. so it's hard not to just automatically assume God of War because of my personal preference. Yeah. Um, having said that, I think the recency side of it might help God of War. Yeah. Because Elden Ring came out so much earlier in the year. Not that people have forgotten about Elden Ring, but like... No, there's still a lot of people playing. God of War has hit right at the same time as basically the Game Awards are hitting. So it's all the talk at the moment. So I feel like that might help it get over the line. Yeah, I think I think you I think you you're correct. There's a lot of hype right now behind you know obvious uh, obviously with God of War being such a recent release, there's more popularity behind it, more of a hype train behind it right mm. now, more of a commercial campaign behind it. I mean, we're probably going to see 20 ads for it during the Game Awards itself. Yeah, um, it, it really is. I think um, I think Elden Ring will still give it a run for its money. In terms of mm. how many awards both games take away from the Game Awards, but at the end of it, I, I, I'm with you. I think that we might. I think God of War might just have that edge and take it. Um, my other question to you is: other titles within the category of Game of the Year, um, such as Horizon Forbidden West, Horizon yep. Zero Dawn was nominated back in the 2017 Game uh, Game Awards for Game of the Year. It actually was nominated for a few awards. And didn't walk away with anything. Are we yeah. about to see that again? Probably. Yeah. That's Pro probably safe to say. Horizon, 
Yeah, the Horizon franchise hasn't had much luck so far in terms of it always seems to drop around the same time as a bigger game. Yeah. Where the, so first time around it was Zelda. Yep. Breath of the Breath Wild. Of the Wild, yeah. Second time around Elden Ring. And now it looks like the VR game's going to drop before Tears of the Kingdom. Oh my god. <laughs> so like that fra- I don't know what it is about that franchise, but they always seem to manage to find a way to drop it right before a massive release. It's just so poor, it just gets poorly timed. buried. Yeah. It's just a poorly timed uh, release, I believe. I, I, I was, so I was talking to someone within the industry about it uh, just the other day, and he was saying, you know, it, it, it's always just a poorly timed release uh, from Gorilla. And, you know, yeah. uh, it's sad because it's not like as if it doesn't deserve an accolade attached to it. If anything, it deserves. See, multiple games within the category this year deserve the accolade game of the year. And it won't necessarily yeah, get, yeah. you know, Keeley's not going to hand out two, three of the same award. He'll hand it out to one and that's it. But then like other, you know, you have other outlets that'll give it to him, you know, kind of like when, uh, um, what was it? Uncharted three, when that released, I, and I recall this because it was, it wasn't that great. And but for some reason it had a game of the year release, and the excuse that they used mm. for that was pretty much, "Oh no, we got game of the year at this, uh, this outlet. outlet." Yeah, and this outlet, mm. and it's like nobody recognizes, you know, th- this outlet from Germany or whatever, you know, international. I, I feel like at this point, the whole the game of the year edition, it's more an excuse to sell. It's almost like an excuse to resell the game again, just package up all the DLC and whatever. And they just, uh, they just, I guess, game of the year edition is just sort of the moniker that's caught on. Like Far Cry 6. Yeah. Is it Far Cry 6? Far Cry 6 just got a game of the year edition. And I don't think it won a game of the year award anywhere. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I think it's just like a branding they use now to sell, resell a game again and have it all packaged up with its DLC and extras and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, do you think that they also like, um, and I'm specifically talking about the game of the year category here, you know, we look at it and we say, okay, I know that maybe three of those personally, uh, I would tip for game of the year. Mm -hmm. I would like nominate it myself. Then you have games like Xenoblade Chronicles straight. I mean, don't get me wrong. Xenoblade Chronicles is great in its own right, but it's not a technical marvel. You have to kind of consider all these things when you're nominating games and uh, tying them into Game of the Year. Xenoblade mm. Chronicles is great, but it's not a technical marvel. Uh, Stray is fantastic, but it's nothing revolutionary or groundbreaking. Um, mm. You know, why uh, A Plague Tale is fantastic, again, but pitting it up against something as polished as a God of War or a Horizon or an Elden Ring, you're basically you're basically kind of putting in filler. And yeah, yeah, I, I think I think part of the problem comes from the fact that the Game of the Year category, the way Jeff has set it up, it's mm. limited the type of games that can be nominated to begin with. I feel like, like yeah. I mean, obviously, last year's big controversy was Forza Horizon 5. Yeah. Not, like, is that because it was a racing game? Is that because it was, you know, like, Forza Horizon 5 was polished. Forza Horizon 5 was stunning. Forza Horizon 5 was a good game to play. It was this. It was it, it ticked all the boxes, but then Definitely. what? So it's, 
Yeah, it's a tricky one. I know what Jeff's trying to do. He's trying to make it it's the video game equivalent of the Academy Awards. Yeah. And just like the Academy Awards, there are certain movies that are never going to win Best Picture. Is it, 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 the term Oscar bait has come around because everyone yeah. knows the sorts of movies that are most likely to be nominated for Game of the Year. Yeah. Now, you get your odd surprise, like when we had The Departed and... You, you get your more popular mainstream movies that once in a blue moon will win Best Picture, just like how we got Overwatch winning Game of the Year a few years ago. Correct. You get your odd surprise here and there, but in the end, everyone knows the sort of games that are more likely to win it. Like this year, it was realistically only ever going to be between Elden Ring and God of War. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's but you have to like you said you do have to round it out. You do need to have more nominations. I just think I feel like they need to be more open about other stuff that can be nominated. Correct. And be more open about what is the criteria? Like is it just straight up we're going to ask all these outlets what their nominations are and yeah. we just tally them up? Yeah, and that's a problem. They don't divulge that publicly. They it, it's all privy to outlets that are essentially uh, handpicked by Jeff himself. Uh, so, yeah. for for example, here in Australia, Survivor, Press Start, and mm, Oz Gamers mm. are the yeah. only three that are chosen, pretty much like to nominate for mm. each category. For me personally, I look at that and I go, "Well, okay, but." I, I don't I don't know I'm not I'm not I don't think I'm sold on like outlets I think it's a so here's here's what I think it's an antiquated format right now that needs to kind of mm-hmm. be adjusted a little bit to, to uh give other titles that are out there accolades it deserves so for like uh game of the year and all that stuff is great uh to have attached to your game and of course it's 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 a big thing for PR. It's a big thing for commercializing and campaigning mm-hmm. it, you know, for commercials and everything else on TV. It's won 20 Game of the Year awards. Okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah. But I personally think that maybe like even a top five uh, games list or something like this is this. We've gotten to that point where there are so many great games on the market, that, like even on Xbox as well. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like it kind of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of games that miss out because they have they basically have a hype train behind them before the lead up, and yeah, you, hit the, you hit the nail on the head with the commercializing and the recency of of a, of a release. Mm. It just kind of misses out because it, it what it came out five days ago and now deserves game mm. of the year. I I don't agree with that. And that also ignores the fact that it's the 2021, 2022 game awards, and yet. We're going to have Need for Speed Unbound coming out in December. We're going to have Callisto Protocol coming out in December. And they are zero chance of 2023 awards because they're coming out in December 2022. People forget Yet they can't get into the 2022 award. There's no criteria for necessarily having... So the criteria, I I don't even know, we don't... There's a cutoff. Like there has to be a cutoff and there's no criteria that's, again, devolved. There is. Yeah, well, there, there is, but what I'm saying, there's no criteria divulged publicly for us to know where that cutoff date is. Is, is it on the day of the Game Awards? Is it like a uh, month? No, no, no. They do. I think they do give the cutoff. So I think, and that's the funny thing. So last year, people were asking about that cutoff for Forza Horizon 5, and I think the cutoff was November 5th. Oh. Uh, actually, no, sorry. Sorry, no, 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 no. 
that that wasn't the cutoff. The cutoff, what was the date? Oh, God, I can't even remember. I'm pretty... <laughs> uh, now I'm getting confused. That's all right. Oh, no, I might be thinking of Forza Horizon's release date. Forza Horizon <laughs> came out November 5th. Yeah. And we were told that it was too close to the cutoff. Yeah. Yet, but that's bullshit yet because look, year, God, of, God War. of War came yeah. out November 9th and got nominated for 20 awards. So that's when, that's when people start putting the tinfoil hats on and start wondering what exactly is going on when they see stuff like that. There's favoritism. Um, it's disputable. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I look at something like Tunic. I thought, so I, you know, it's funny. A guy DM'd me on Twitter saying, what do you think is going to get nominated? And I got four out of five right. Uh, the one I got wrong was Stray. I thought Tunic would be the indie that would get nominated because, you know, yeah. how there's always a token indie. Mm-hmm. That's what I call it. I call it the token indie. There's I always thought four maybe Cult games. of the Lamb. Yes, some people thought Cult of the Lamb as well. I thought it would be Tunic because Tunic is effectively Zelda. Yeah. But indie Zelda. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, sh-. and it's, a, I, I actually, I think it's actually my game of the year. It's an incredible game. So I haven't played it yet. I, thought, oh, I need to, I need to get on it. Oh, it's, it's funny. Like I feel, I feel for the team. I mean, I say, I was going to say guy that made it because it did start as one guy. And I think they grew a little bit. Yeah. They started Tunic a long, long time ago. Mm. I remember playing a version of it in 2018 at wow. PAX Australia. Yeah. Um. So I think it started like a year or two before that. Wow. And all of a sudden, Nintendo released Legend of Zelda. Um, was it a Link to the Past remastered? Yep. It was a Link to the Past, wasn't it? Which was effectively... Not a Link to the Past. Like, uh, but, but. Uh, what was it? What was oh, the Switch one? Oh, shit. It was uh, not, not a Link to the it's Past. Killing it's killing me. Super Nintendo now. Uh, it was the Game Boy one. Uh, yes, yes. What was it called? Keep going, I'll, uh, I'll look it up. <laughs> ah, but Nintendo released that, which effectively cut his lunch because it was just official version of yeah. what Tunic is. Yeah. Um, so I really feel for that guy because Tunic's, an, um, but like as a massive Zelda fan, Tunic was something I was looking forward to for the longest time. And Link's it was, Awakening, by the way. Oh, Link's Awakening. I don't know why I said Link to the Past. Yeah, um, yeah, so Nintendo released, announced and released Link's Awakening, which was effectively almost exactly the same thing as Tunic, but Tunic is just much more hardcore yeah, and far more old school. I've seen a lot of footage of it. It looks fantastic. It, it, it is. It's, yeah. it's hard. It is very, very hard, make no mistake. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, I just love how old it feels. Like there's no hand-holding... Uh, it rem- it takes me back to when I was a kid, and you you know there's you've got to find pages of a manual which looks like the manuals we used to get when we used to buy games. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the clues are in that manual. Damn. Um, it's ah, uh, I thought that was going to get nominated for sure because Tunic was an incredible game. Oh bloody hell! Oh, we're going to move on because we've already uh, wasted yes, twenty yes, yes. minutes in the bloody first. That's segment. what happens when I'm on podcast. That's exactly what happens. That's why <laughs> ours goes take. for so long all the time. <laughs> the next one comes by way of Cass Marshall over at Polygon, uh, who says Twitter's new wave of blue checks is uh, so in chaos. Uh, we were just talking about Twitter before we started recording as well, so this yes. is going to be interesting for sure. On Tuesday, Twitter Blue uh, account started to go live. Uh, Twitter Blue is uh, the new platform. Uh, is the platform's new subscription service, which costs seven ninety nine a month. 
month US uh, and grants users a few advertisements and the distinctive blue check mark on their account. Uh, the check mark used to be a sign that uh, the account uh, owner was uh, who they said they were. Now it's, it's pretty much verified, and now it's purchasable. Uh, it's a purchasable status symbol. However, that that's uh, there's a discrepancy there. Basically, you can check whether or not it's a verified account or if it's Twitter blue. If it's a Twitter account. blue, yeah, yeah. So, for example, I had Twitter blue on the official account. I've had that for like ages now. And then all of a sudden, I woke up and I had a I had a check mark on. I was like, yeah, yeah. What am I going to do? Complain? So no. Uh, so you know, it, it's it's now we uh, gotten to the point where, and I've got this uh, open up on the screen for everybody here. The you got a Rockstar Games fake account uh, that announced yeah. GTA Six release date. Uh, PC Gamer uh, fake account that uh, says that uh, you know, oh, sorry, they tweeted a fake Valve software account. Basically, I think it was the yeah, Ricochet Neon one. Prime. Yeah. Um, so there was that. A, a and friend of mine actually, a, a friend of mine changed his account to pretend to be Tobey Maguire and announced <laughs> Spider-Man 4. Right. And and that got like 160,000 likes. Did he get suspended? But wh- no, but what, uh-huh. what always confused me was you can't change your handle when you're verified. Yep. So I, I never understood how the, that worked where people were getting confused because I'm like that just works under the assumption that people are stupid and don't look at the actual handle of the account before assuming it's the real thing (laughs) I just always found that odd but maybe that's just me being naive and assuming that people would look a little bit deeper than the surface so uh, a little bit of uh, inside baseball Nick knows my mum personally and mum right comes to me all the time Daniel, Daniel, Chris Hemsworth has followed me. I have a look. <laughs> no, it's not Chris Hemsworth, mum. Please. Because like, it'll be like a Facebook page, a fake Facebook page without yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the check mark or anything. But she'll believe it. And that's the thing because it'll say Chris Hemsworth, but somebody will like uh, swap a letter around and, you know. Yes, we'll, yes. We'll have an all caps thing and use a small I instead of an, a normal. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, sorry. they disguise an L as an I and I as an L yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Zero as an O. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. And a good example I have right now up on the screen is uh, this Nintendo of US account with Mario flipping off everybody. Oh, that was so funny. Uh, it, it just, uh, <laughs> there were, there was a lot of stuff that went on because of this uh, whole thing. And uh, we were discussing uh, some of the impact that it's uh, had. We record, myself and Nick, we're recording this at uh, on November 18th. Uh, it's currently 7.11pm uh, Australian mm-hmm. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And Twitter is currently in meltdown mode. It may not yeah. exist tomorrow morning. And <laughs> the impact of this is kind of scary it's confronting in a way for for both of us because like this is it's twitter is a big this is being up front twitter is a big big source of uh traffic for both xbox and and exposure yeah Mm. and it's very much in a state now where tomorrow we'll wake up and we don't know whether or not we're going to be able to sustain like even kind of have that same traffic come through um Mm. not because like of what we do respectively for our respective sites, but more or less because people are always looking up trends and random click, random click, random click, and that won't that might not happen tomorrow. So um, 
Yeah, it's it's a very confronting situation right now. Mm, it is. Yeah. Um, how are you uh, how are you feeling about this entire thing? I anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's weird because again, like Twitter is like, I, I mean, I've got my own Discord and that's fine, but that's private. Yeah. Twitter is pretty much the only public thing I have outside of Xbox Era's YouTube channel and the podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, I've started a Mastodon account, but I don't feel like Mastodon's going to really Take gain off. any genuine traction. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I know it's going to be very, very weird. Yeah. That's all I, I do know. I've started a Mastodon. I've started a co-host as well, just in case. Yeah, me too. Just started that today as well. Yeah. And uh, I like co-host because it's a little more like Twitter in a way. Yes. It's, except it has, it's, it's a little Tumblr-ish as well. And um, it doesn't have a word limit, so that's that's what makes it uh, Tumblr-ish. But the, mm. the the great thing though is that you can have multiple accounts on one account, which kind of what you can do with Twitter a little bit. But it, it kind of gives you a little more flexibility if you're uh, managing business in all that. However, mm-hmm. we're talking exposure. Neither of these websites have Twitter exposure, no. and today they both went into freaking me- like. I had a I had trouble oh, yeah. getting into either of them. They were going into meltdown. Mm. So, if Twitter disappears tomorrow, it's almost like sh- shit. Where do we go? Like, do we go to co-host? Do we go to Mastodon? Do we go to Facebook? I know. <laughs> and that's the other problem. It's not like everyone has just agreed this is where we're gonna go. Yeah. People are like, oh, hold on. So here's my co-host. Here's my Mastodon. Here's my Instagram. Here's like. It's not like there's this one place everyone has agreed they're going to migrate to yeah. if Twitter goes. It's not my so space that makes to Facebook. it even worse. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, well, that's the thing. No one in our sphere is going to go Facebook. No. Some are going Instagram, but, like, most of the people that are on Twitter aren't really interested in posting photos and videos. Mm. They just want to post yep. text. They just want to post their thoughts. They just want to post jokes. They just want to post... They don't want to post videos. So Instagram's not really a realistic option. Do you think Instagram could actually inherit like inherit a just a a, a text based feed? That's what, yeah. If if Facebook are smart, mm. I reckon that's what they'd need to do. They 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 need I wonder if they'll pivot Instagram and have an option on Instagram where you just post Text. text and it maybe it you can colorize it and make it pretty like because it's instagram yeah but it's ultimately just your thoughts in yeah. text form yeah prettied up i wonder if instagram would do that do you th- but do you think it also kind of stifles the facebook uh market in a way because you have facebook as a platform and then facebook owns instagram do you think that they would be like well why would we do that when we have Insta- we have facebook for people to post text and photos on why wouldn't we want to invite them back here why are we trying to push them to Instagram? You know? Because I feel like Instagram in its format and its structure is mm. closer to Twitter than Facebook is. Yeah, I agree. And in the end, Facebook is still the place for your mum and your yaya or your nonna or yeah. whatever to post photos and check out the kids. and. Yeah. <laughs> That's still that More stigma personal. will will forever be attached to Facebook, mm-hmm. whether they like it or not. Yeah, Instagram I feel is the better analog for Twitter. 
Yep. So I, f- I think if Meta are smart, they'll quickly try and find a way to pivot yeah. to take all those Twitter users that need somewhere to go. Yeah, I agree with you. It's the I- same handle system. It's the same... Hashtag system. Hashtag system, same everything. Yeah, the so hashtag I- system on Instagram is uh, huge. And I mean by mm. like you, you pop in like random uh, hashtags that are associated with the photo that you're posting, you get you can get up to like 100,000 likes on a photo out of nowhere. It's mm. just how it is. Yes, sure, about 50% of them will be bots, but the, the, pro- the thing is, right, is that that'll push your photo to the top of the feed. People will see that, hey, that's exposure. So, yeah, yeah. You know, who knows? They, they might. What about it. that? That's actually a good point. The yeah. Instagram thing. Yeah. If it Instagram to take all those Twitter users, I'd, I'd probably do Instagram. If Instagram, if Instagram yeah. um, did a text thing that made it easy thing, to just yeah. post text like Twitter, yeah. I reckon they'd take a lot of that market. A lot of it. Who knows? I think I think they might be looking into it as we speak. To be honest, <laughs> so they'd be silly not to. Yeah, of course not. Um, the next one comes by way of uh, Liam Croft over at Push Square, uh, who says Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII reveals uh, how it's more than a remaster. Uh, he says Square Enix has posted a new Crisis Core uh, Final Fantasy VII reunion trailer that compares many of the uh, game's updated features and visuals to the PSP Classic, revealing how it's quote more than a remaster and quote according to the trailer. Trailer's name. Uh, catch it above ahead. Uh, that's on the website. Uh, while just 63 seconds in length, the trailer has a lot to cover. Footage first touches on new song arrangements and blah, 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 blah. The reason I wanted to bring that up also is because there was another article that was attached to this, um, which is quite interesting. I don't like, I don't really know how they're kind of getting away with what they're doing here, but uh, once again from Robert Ramsey over at Push Square, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion is 84K, 60 frames per second on PS5, 30 frames per second on PS4. Um, He goes on, Square Enix has published the performance specs of Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, and you couldn't really ask for more, at least on the PS5. The upcoming impressively overhauled remaster will boast a native 4K resolution on Sony's current-gen system, while running at a hopefully smooth 60 frames per second. Very nice, even if it is pretty much what you'd expect from a title that started its life on the PSP over 15 years ago. Mm. On PS4, however, you're going to be stuck at 30 frames per second. Uh, On the base console, that's a uh, standard 1080p, while on PS4 Pro, you get 4K. Yeah. Um... So this is what confuses me, is that we have a lot of demanding, we had a lot of demanding games on PS4 that did run 4K, 1080, sorry, 4K, 30 frames per second. Um, but there were also games that did do 60 frames per second. I'm not sure if they did on the it. Pro. At, yeah, I'm not sure. I can't really recall if it was 4K necessarily. I do remember Persona 5 it- Royal did. Native 4K games were fairly rare, even on the Pro. Most of it was checkerboarded, but I mean, most people can't tell the difference. No. Um, But the Pro was doing a fair bit more 60 frames stuff. Yeah. Um, The whole performance versus resolution mode stuff started with the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X. Yep. So I find it funny now that the pro's not really doing any more 60 FPS mm. stuff. Yeah, same. 
I, I, so I part think... of me wonders whether that's intentional by all the developers to like, let's just cut off last yes. gen. Yeah. Because if we keep letting the 1X and the PS4 Pro do 60 FPS stuff, there's less and less reason to move on to the new consoles. Correct. And I feel like that's probably why Sony stopped selling the PS4 Pro. Yeah. And Microsoft cut off last gen a while ago too. I feel like sometimes these these tactics are, um, especially from a third party. I don't know whether they're mm. instructed to to do to to necessarily do this because I mean, like it comes out on PS Five, PS Four, Switch, uh, Xbox uh, Series yeah. X, Xbox One, and Steam. Right. So those Xbox are Xbox One as well. Yeah, yeah. So those are, I mean, pretty much like everything that comes out on. Has there ever been an exclusive for Series X? I think of anything that's come out to this point. I mean, there was the medium. The medium mm. did come out on Xbox One. Yeah. Um, there's probably a couple of others. I know Street Fighter Six. I don't think it's going to be on Xbox One, but it no, will be it, on PS4. PS4. Uh, PS4. It will be on PS4. Yeah. Okay. I think PS4 is getting Street Fighter Six, but Xbox One isn't. Interesting. I wonder why they're mm. still doing that exclusivity to PlayStation. It's weird. It's on Series X. It's just not on Xbox One. They'd have a huge, a huge market to sell to on Xbox for that. I know. Yeah. Xbox One still sold around fifty-five million. That's weird. Um, yeah, it is. Anyway, for for um, Crisis Core, uh, running on uh, prior platforms, so uh, PS4 base, uh, running only at a 1080p, thirty frames per second. I feel like thirty frames per second is obviously that aim where they've told them, look, we won't push. 60 frames on last gen, but we'll make that effort to polish it for PlayStation 5 and uh, Xbox Series X. But I, but at the same time, I don't know if there was a directive necessarily from higher up or from the, from like PlayStation or Microsoft themselves to no, don't, don't make it 60 frames 4k on Mm -hmm. these systems, even though honestly, from looking at the trailer and everything else, it looks like it could do it on. PS4. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. So, it's not the sort of thing that's ever going to be revealed. No. Publicly outside of a whistleblower saying something. Yeah. Um, I don't well, think Lance, Lance McDonald will be the one to actually prove that, if anything. He'll be the one, like he did with Bloodborne, you know, like yeah. base consoles. PS4 base consoles can run Bloodborne at, you know, 1080p, 60 frames. Um, I'm not, I don't know if so. Then, pro, how come uh, it's only running at a 30 then? You mean on uh, you, you're talking about like uh, Bloodborne on a pro or even on a base? Didn't you just say the base can do it at 60? The base can do it at 60. He's got he he developed he developed that patch to basically mm-hmm. run Bloodborne on base console 1080p 60 frames per second. On the pro, it runs 4K 60 frames per second. Interesting. So you're telling me that bl- this game won't be capable of it, but Bloodborne's able to do it. Come on. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're, it's they're, always odd. There's, there's something screwy about that, and I personally think that they, like what you said, there, there is something we don't know that they do, and they're kind of like... Uh, are, are Square developing this in-house? That is a good question. I don't the only know. reason I ask is because I look at something like Evil West, 
So all the performance modes and resolutions and frame rates just came out for Evil West. Yep. And it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. So the Xbox One X and I think PS4 Pro mm. can run Evil West at 4K30. Yep. The PS5 and Series X can run Evil West at 4K30. Yep. But as soon as you go up to 60 the Series X and PS5 are down to 1080. I'm just like, what? Yeah. That makes zero sense. Like, how can the One X and the Pro match the PS5 and the Series X, both at 4K30, but then as soon as you want to go up to 60, oh, well, the two new consoles got to limit them at 1080. Correct. Yeah, they do that. They do this every time. And they did it with... They did it with the uh, PS3 as well, but they don't want to admit that. Like, Watch Dogs ran like ass on PS3, and mm. they they got they 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 were investigated for it as well. I think Watch Dogs investigated, like not as in the Watch Dogs game. Watch, yeah, Watch yeah, Dogs yeah. actually investigated um, them for development and everything else. Apparently, uh, there were there were some stirs of. It being done on purpose or something, uh, but Ubisoft were like quick to on the heels to say, no, 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 it was done for smoother development times and all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, bullshit. Because I, I, that's why I asked about the third party thing. Because I look at Evil West, which is like an I think it's a basically an indie developer, so maybe it's just a a capability thing. I don't know, and that's why I thought maybe is Crisis Core being outsourced? Yeah, to a developer that's just not capable of. Yeah, so so it is being outsourced, it. but only for the Nintendo Switch version. Square Enix is still doing oh. the the other, like the the uh, PS4, PS5. Yeah, yeah. So it, it the uh, Tose, who are primarily known for like uh, Nintendo stuff, uh, are handling that port to Switch. But for everything else, okay. it's Square Enix. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, well, uh, again, it's it's something that we've we've seen in the past. It's not a surprise in any way that they want to kind of push people to as you know hardware becomes more regularly available they want people to you know go out there and buy it so yeah yeah you know, so anyway the next one comes from once again uh, is it push square again it is push square again uh steven talby over at push square um writes need for speed unbound trophies this is the one that you were telling me that you hate uh need for speed unbound trophies drive uh to play online if you want that platinum this is for all those uh, trophy hunters out there. Basically, mm. you're going to be very frustrated by this. Upcoming PS5 arcade racer, Need for Speed Unbound, is fast approaching uh, its, uh, its second December release date, and we're looking forward to getting in the driver's seat. Uh, you know we're getting close to the game's launch day or when trophies start to appear online, and PSN Profiles is here once again with a full list of trinkets. There's a whole list of them. Um, there aren't really any surprises to speak of. There are a handful of trophies reserved for progression uh, through the story, as well as some of the finding all the open world collectibles. Uh, then you have some gongs for completing uh, set numbers of small challenges like speed traps, long jumps, uh, as well as certain scores, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but to achieve the platinum, apparently you'll have to go online uh, winning some rounds of online multiplayer, you'll need to win a playlist for each vehicle tier mm. from B to S plus. So uh, if you do want that top trinket, you may be in for a challenge. This is again, uh, I can't remember what title did this last, but I do recall 
within the last couple of years, a, a title doing this, and it's basically gatekeeping a, a, a platinum trophy to online. Like it's making it a necessity for people to actually yeah. have to purchase the respective platforms online service uh, to mm-hmm. basically get an achievement or a trophy. God, you know, you know, all these years that I've literally never thought about that. Yeah. The fact that they have online achievements and trophies effectively means if you want all those achievements and trophies, you have to spend more money than what you just spent on the game. I can't believe I never actually thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. That so makes the- me hate online trophies even more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I like- think I never thought of it because I've been paying for Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus for so long now. You don't realize it because it's an automatic charge half the time. <laughs> that I just never thought about it that way. But I'm like, yeah, like if my kid who doesn't have Xbox Live Gold or PlayStation Plus just wants to get all the trophies because he wants to get all the trophies, mm. he can't yeah. if he doesn't have the online service. God, mm. yeah, that's really crap, isn't it? It is very crap. Uh, and it's like, you know, uh, these services aren't necessarily cheap in Australia either. I mean, we're talking no. like, what was it, 80 bucks for Xbox Minimum. Gold at the moment? Fucking hell. Like both of them. PlayStation Plus PlayStation. and Xbox Live Gold are both 80 bucks a year minimum. It's disgusting how expensive it is mm. as well. I mean, what, what is, um, what's ultimate right now? What's um, it's 16 a month? 16 a month. It's 120 a year, isn't it? About, thereabouts. More. More. more shit about oh 100 it's more like 40 150 no 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 keep going it's closer to 200 it's like holy shit it's closer well yeah when if it's 16 bucks that's right 15, 16 bucks per month yeah 15.95 so let's just round it up 16 bucks a month so you're looking at 192 bucks yeah almost 200 bucks fuck me for all so even then, if you were to kind of consider like not having like so, e, so this will be part of like uh, the launch day Game Pass, obviously. And for those who were like, well, I might as well get Game Pass Ultimate. That's two hundred bucks. But I mean, like if you think about it, too, sixteen bucks on top to get Games Pass. I mean, Game Pass. See, that's the thing. Like Game Pass is a fucking amazing value. But the, oh, it's the best. Yeah. I I do like I keep popping on. I wish PlayStation would just bloody pull the trigger and. They will eventually. They will, they will they'll, eventually. They'll, they'll have to, but it's, it's just right mm. now they aren't because it's just fucking... I, I personally blame Jim Ryan. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> no, see, it's funny you say that because we've spoken about this on our show and yeah. I, I feel for Jim. Like, he's caught in a weird place. I'm sure he wants to do the day one thing like really? Game Pass has. I'm sure he wants to, but A, he'd be fighting with Japan. Yeah. B. So having having a bigger install base is great mm. and it helps with the money hats because they don't cost as much as they yeah. do for Xbox. Yeah. But the disadvantage to having the bigger install base, mm-hmm. and remember I'm talking more PS4, Xbox One now because we don't know the gap with Series X and um, PS5. Yeah. But the disadvantage with having the big install base is so right now, Phil can turn around and do better third-party Game Pass deals because they have the smaller install base with Xbox One and Series X versus PS4 and PS5 combined. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you approach a developer saying, do you want to do a Game Pass launch? I'm sure part of those negotiations are, well, hold on, we're going to lose this many millions of sales if we launch on Game Pass. Yeah. If you go to PlayStation, 
for a third party game, uh, PlayStation Plus day one launch, that number is at least double. Yeah. That you could lose sales. So yeah. it's going to cost Sony even more, more to do a third party PlayStation Plus launch. Mm. And Sony won't want to do that. But the problem is Sony's not pumping out enough first party games regularly enough to them not to actually... have third party support. Yeah. So Jim's caught it between a rock and a hard place. He probably wants to do it right now, but he can't, A, because Japan wouldn't be happy about it, and yeah. B, because he doesn't want to fork out the big bucks for third parties because the first party, why do you think they're buying up all these studios? Because <laughs> they want to pump out more games. Like Speaking if they were just happy with their two or three games a year, the AAA yeah. over-the-shoulder narrative-driven games, yeah. then why are they buying all these extra studios for that are going to pump out some games as a service games that they're pivoting to now? Correct. Yeah. So the idea is they're buying all these smaller studios to get more games out there to support the bigger studios to get their games out faster yeah. and do the PC ports. Yeah. And once they have more games coming out each year, then they'll make the switch because they don't want to have to rely on third party like Microsoft has lately. Yeah. Do you think the um the Activision deal is going to go through? I was like 99% confident before. Yeah. That number has probably dropped now to like 75. You think there's going to be a tough battle ahead? Yeah, like I still think ultimately when push comes to shove if Microsoft wants it bad enough, they'll take it to court and they'll probably win in court yeah. because there's no actual logical reason to block it. No. Yes, there's fanboy arguments. Yes, there's other concerns and monopolies. Of this. The only reason I think the argument against the deal falls apart is because Microsoft's not even close to being the market leader. Right. That's the only reason all those arguments kind of fall apart. If Microsoft was the market leader, then it would be a different ballgame. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they're not... Microsoft's going to win in court. If they take it to court, they're going to win. Yeah. Which makes me think that eventually these regulators will probably wake up to that fact and just let it go. Yeah. But I think, I think that what we're looking at, though, when it comes to, like, uh, exclusivity rights and everything else in terms of uh, video games and how Microsoft have kind of monopolized a little bit of that market because now they hold a major portion. I think... Sony are sweating it in a way. They know that. Oh, Sony are 100% sweating. Yeah, they're sweating it because they know that, like, if uh, Xbox decide tomorrow that they're going to pull exclusivity on, like, sorry, they're going to turn around and go, no, you know what? The next Eld uh, 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 Elder Scrolls game is not coming to PlayStation because we just feel like it. That's not well, good. Well, the stuff is all exclusive. Yeah, it is technically. Well, yeah, it is, but they've still got like deals for. I know they've got deals for Star, whatever the fuck it was called. Um, what? Uh, what is, Star, what's it called? Not Starfield. Starfield isn't Starfield also coming up? No, it's not anymore. That's right. <laughs> so they've, they've see that's the thing. So there's the there's an example of how they're sweating, right? Because they've they've pulled that from PlayStation. So mm. when it was uh, said to be coming to PlayStation, everything was fine. But I believe that once they did that. That's kind of when the concerns started to kind of roll a little bit. And what's funny well, is that... Well, I mean, that- in the end, all the concerns around Call of Duty. So well, yeah. despite, despite the myths that get perpetuated, people are still buying PlayStations 
because of Fortnite and Call of Duty and FIFA and what's well, a multi-million dollar franchise. Sony and Microsoft aren't Nintendo. No. Only Nintendo can be Nintendo and sell 100 million units off their exclusives alone. Yeah. Only that's what makes Nintendo them the market leader. That. Yeah. O- only Nintendo can do that, despite what some people will attempt to have you believe. Yeah. Um, Sony knows deep down. Yes. Sony, uh, Sony uses their God of Wars and their Uncharted as the window dressing that gets you into the store, just like a Maya window. Yep. But then inside Maya is where you've got all the normal stuff that's just everyone buys, the mass market stuff. So yeah. they use the Uncharted and the God of Wars as the window dressing to get you in the door. But then it's Call of Duty when you're in, it's Fortnite when you're in, it's FIFA when you're in. And Sony knows that. That's why the focus is on Call of Duty. Sony deep down doesn't care that the next Crash Bandicoot will probably be Xbox exclusive. Yeah, Sony nah. doesn't care that the next Tony Hawk will probably be Xbox exclusive. The, the, the only thing Sony cares about is Call of Duty. Because, because a major portion of that market is also on the PlayStation platform that produces, yes. like, again, multi-million dollar franchise. And there's mm. that concern that that portion, that percentage... I mean, look, admit it, admittedly, Call of Duty does well for PlayStation, but it's an Xbox game. Yeah. I, what do you I, mean it's an Xbox game? I'd say a majority of the market is on Xbox platforms or PC. Nah, for Call of Duty, no. Yeah. What, no you don't way. think, you do not think it's a Call of Duty game? An really? Xbox game? No. Like, as in, like, uh, you know, it's popular on Xbox, more popular on Xbox than what it is on PlayStation. No. You think no. that it's more popular on PlayStation? Of course it is. It I've would always, sell more on PlayStation. I've always been under the... Uh, Assumption that Call but that's of from the was... previous marketing rights, I guess. So, yes, Call of Duty was more popular on Xbox back on the 360, like that, and that's why there's such a power struggle with those rights because they know how powerful they are. So, Call of Duty has been associated with PlayStation for as long as they've had those rights, yeah. Um, so now going forward, the one thing that's going to disappear with this deal, so while Phil Spencer and Xbox have pledged to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. I, I mean, let's not get into whether I think that's going to last forever or not. I don't think so, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think it will either. Yeah. The one thing that Sony knows will go away one way or another is the marketing rights. Yeah. Because there ain't no way that once this deal goes through, Sony's going to get to keep, oh, 30 days exclusive on the maps, uh, exclusive beta access, uh, exclusive skins. Um, this bundle, that's all going to go away. So, it, and that's the other things that people I think are forgetting about in all this. It's not just, oh no, Call of Duty could potentially be exclusive to Xbox. Mm. That would effectively be a death blow. Yeah. But even losing those marketing rights mm. will hurt Sony a lot. I agree. Yeah. Because like you just said, then Call of Duty does become associated with Xbox again. And that's where all the association is. Because what will happen is the one thing Microsoft will most likely do on future versions going forward is now when you boot up Call of Duty, you get the Activision splash screen, Infinity Ward splash screen, Raven, all these studios. Now what you're going to get, you're going to get Microsoft Studios, yep. then Activision, then... So even when you play it on PlayStation, 
you're going to see the Xbox Game Studios splash screen at the start. That Xbox logo is going to come up. Correct. Just like, you know, and that's weird because uh, after the Starfield saga, I guess you can put it, MLB The Show came out. And I know it's not, it's like a blip on the radar, really. But it's funny to think that right after that happened, PlayStation were willing to kind of still play fair and release MLB The Show on Xbox. Oh, I don't think if I don't think PlayStation were happy. No, like, they weren't. Definitely not. No. <laughs> MLB twisted their arm Correct. and said, "Well, hold but, on I a mean, second. Like they, FIFA they, and Madden, yeah, are getting all this money by being on everything, and we're just stuck on your console. Yeah. How about we get a bit more money? I'm going to read off the. So this one comes by way. Once uh, this is the last Push Square article in this list. I swear, uh, Sammy Barker over at Push yeah. Square. Uh, I'm just going to scroll right down. This is the uh, software sales in Japan, and they, they're interesting. And the reason I bring this up is because of God of War's release um, and uh, where PlayStation 5 is sitting as well on uh, the release list and where Xbox as well is sitting here too. So for for the software sales, from the 7th of November to the 13th, the top uh, game in Japan was Splatoon 3. How is it still Splatoon 3? I have no fucking clue because that game, right, is like... Didn't that come out like... Two, three months ago? Yeah, yeah, like about three months ago, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there it, it is there, 9th of the 9th. It came yeah. out, yeah, there you go, two and a half months ago it came out almost. And it's still sitting at number one in Japan. Jeez. Over God of War. God of War, you know, being at three. And PlayStation's a Japanese platform as well. So, it, Yeah, really- but the thing is, like, the market has changed so much in Japan. Like, yeah. Japan is basically portable slash mobile exclusive now yeah you got a good point like sony and microsoft just need to bite the bullet and go if we actually give a rats about japan we just got to get a portable console in there they won't ever do a vita again they failed (laughs) yeah i know but like i feel like they both i mean microsoft's had the rumors for a little while now of experimenting with the portable um I think if they could manage to make a portable Series S, it would absolutely kill in Japan. But if PlayStation got themselves another Vita somehow... It does well in Japan still, apparently. It would, like... The the only downside with the Vita is... I say downside. It is a downside. (laughs) I know, but, like, a, a Vita would be interesting because... It can't be anywhere remotely close to a PS5 and its capabilities. Yeah. But if you make it a PS4 portable, yep. yeah. it means that you have to cling on to the PS4 that much longer and hold back the PS5 games mm-hmm. for that much longer. Yep. So it's this awkward double-edged sword. Like, do you, do you chase just the money? And sacrifice, because, oh God, there's such an in-depth discussion to be had about this because Sony have always been masters at like, I'm trying to say this as respectfully as possible, but Sony have always been the masters of stoking the console war flames. They've always been brilliant at it. And I say that with all due respect. It's, It's what drives such a fervent and passionate fan base that you see on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. Yes. And part of 
how they cultivate that is by always being seen as being at the cutting edge. Yep. Best graphics, best this, best that, best, 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 best. Oh my God, the dual sense makes you feel things. And the 3D <laughs> audio is just so amazing. It's going to change your life. Yeah. And yada, yada, yada. But then with anyone who's played God of War Ragnarok, most people can still see the the pull of the PS4 that it's built off. Correct. Uh, like so- Sony Santa Monica has always been an incredible studio. So I imagine what they could do if they could make the next God of War only for PS5. I imagine feel, what they could do. So I feel, so here's, here's the thing, right? Is that you're on the right path. But what I, I reckon personally is that if Sony was smart about it, they would be manufacturing or, or, or distributing software side of things and working with Valve and the Steam Deck um, because then ne- they wouldn't necessarily have to sell hardware again. Or even consider it or risk it. In that way, Aren't they most can, of their games Steam Deck verified. Yeah, pretty much. Like every single uh, Steam release from PlayStation is Steam Deck verified, right? They mm. could gauge that market first off before they even consider saying, "Okay, we're going to do a Vita two. We'll have a look at what's happening on the Steam Deck first. We'll release those games, see what the numbers are, and then if it's enough that we can make a viable market through handheld means, then possibly we'll make a PlayStation." But the problem is Japan's not buying the Steam Deck. Correct. And that's the other issue. So when they look at that too, so the other example I was going to say, number one on that list uh, for hardware is Nintendo Switch still, obviously. That's Mm. not going to move. Uh, And then like next week, Pokemon's going to pretty much wipe out that software. That's right. But the thing is, right, they can still look at it from the Western side of the market and say, are we going to retain are we going to actually have enough uh in terms of profit from the western markets actually consider this i don't think so but i don't think there's enough mm. push or pull in the in the western market i just i think that if they were smart about it right like they, they're doing the right thing right now at least by porting some of their um older legacy or some of the best of yeah, the best yeah. playstation 4 games and playstation 5 games but they're you know they're, they're not the biggest but they're they're the best. Well, they are the biggest, but you know what I mean. They're aged. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to sell anymore. <laughs> so yeah, that's they, right. They want to push them on on uh, PC now, and in that regard, people can play them on PC or they can play them on their Steam Deck, and that allows them to do either or. But in the same same vein of seeing how many people are playing it on on uh, specified hardware, whether it be a Steam Deck or a PC, that'll allow them to gauge if it's going to be viable. Even the same with Xbox. Like this is all for both, for PlayStation and Xbox. It's a great, the Steam Deck is a great um, uh, preview or great way barometer to- Barometer or a measuring stick. Correct, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great barometer uh, to see whether or not it's a viable market, even though Nintendo are kind of really, really, like you can't beat them. You can't beat them in terms of handheld in Japan. You just can't. I think Sony could. I think if Sony got it right and yeah. did it properly, I think they could. Yeah. But as I was alluding to earlier, I think it causes a problem for Sony in that if they were to push a new Vita, yeah. it causes a problem for the PS5. Yeah. And then in turn, their image with the hardcore gamer because yeah. it means all these future PS5 games are going to be held back by this new Vita because yeah. you can't. You can't go back to the old days of developing all these separate Vita games. Mm. The, the Switch has changed things now. Yeah. The Switch has changed the landscape, and so has the Series S to a lesser extent. Yeah. The, the Series S and the Switch have now shown 
that your lesser devices can still run all the same games. Mm. So Sony can't release a Vita 2 that, like the Vita, has its own games independent to the home PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. So for Sony to make a Vita, a new Vita, that can run, or forget PS5 games, but can at least run PS4 games, it means you have to keep releasing cross-gen games. But what would be the point? Which hamstrings the PS5. Yeah, exactly. What would be the point of releasing PS4 games on a Vita 2 if, like, you have a Steam Deck with RDNA 2 hardware in it, but, like, an APU that's, you know, compatible? Steam Deck's not selling in Japan. And Steam Deck's just not selling much. Like, yeah, I I mean, it's not globally available. That's why. That's Well, that's part of it. But even if it was, like, if you went up to your mum tomorrow Mm. and said, hey, ma, the, the new... Portable from Steam is out. Your mum's going to go, what the hell is Steam? That is, yeah. <laughs> but if you tell your mum the new portable from PlayStation is out, your mum's going to know what that is, isn't she? Of course, yeah. There's that market yes. there. In our hardcore little bubble that a lot of the time we forget to look out of, Yeah. yes, the Steam Deck is the hot new thing. Yeah. But outside that bubble, no one knows what the hell a Steam Deck is and no, no one cares. Yeah. But if PlayStation announced the new portable... That's different because it's got PlayStation slapped on it. Especially in Japan. And that's the conundrum for Sony. If, if then, I, I think that if they're not going to pursue a portable, which at the moment it looks like they're not, mm. then their relevance in Japan is going to reduce more and more yeah, it'll wane, as time yeah. goes on. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Just in Japan. Um, I, w- I was going to ask you uh, as well, and this is kind of relevant to it. Do you think now that uh, Atlas have come uh, and played ball with uh, multiple platforms, Xbox is going to kind of see some sort of um, uh, boost in numbers in Japan as well? Because like At- like Atlas RPGs are quite popular in Japan, and now with mm. like Persona, uh, because we were like it was funny we were DMing each other about a year prior at, at the you know potential of. Persona 5 Royal landing on X, or even vanilla Persona 5 landing on oh, Game I mean, Pass. I was about to say, I flat out told you Persona was coming to Xbox. Yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> at the time. Um, but it, it was um it, it was one of those things now, like where do you think one, it was it's a little late for them to do so. I mean, I know that it's still it's still done done well in a way, but I mean, do you think it's a little late to the game? But also do you think now that there is that potential of now because there's no exclusivity and Atlas have kind of gone away from that. And, you know, there is that potential of Persona 6 landing on Xbox. Do you think that there might be some games that may sway to Xbox in Japan or do you think it's still pretty no, much a fixed I, I market? I think every little bit helps. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's no coincidence that the best selling Xbox in Japan is the 360. Uh, and why was that? Because it had the most Japanese RPGs on it. And it had the big name Japanese RPGs. The Tales series, yeah. So, in, in the end, that's why Xbox understands the importance of getting those games on the platform. Because yeah. it makes the platform more viable in Japan. Xbox is never going to be as big as Nintendo or Sony in Japan. No. And I still to this day believe the only way Xbox gains any real traction in Japan is like we were just talking about, a portable Series S. That's the only way that they gain any legitimate traction in Japan. That, that's just what I think. And again, when I say legitimate traction, I don't mean going from 
a distant third to first. Yeah. I mean going from a distant third to a reasonably behind third. Yeah. And entrenching themselves in a way where there's no risk of them leaving the Japanese market kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And making decent money there. That's where I think it would help. I, I, think, um, uh, I think that you've hit it there because then afterwards what would happen necessarily is they would look into that handheld market because they know, like Xbox aren't stupid. They would know, you know, oh, the only way we're really going to enter that strong gaming Japanese market right now is handhelds, mobile. That's right. And, and if they can't get a Series S, Japan's cellular infrastructure is probably arguably the best in the world. Yeah. So that what they might need to do in Japan if they can't get a native handheld there is maybe get a dedicated Xbox cloud streaming device, maybe. And, and I know you have your phone and you have your tablet with a Kishi or with a backbone. The, the, the new Logitech thing in the jig. <laughs> yeah, but, but I feel like, I don't know if Japan would care about no, that, something No, I don't like think they that. do. And I don't know if, like, how do you market it? Like, oh, buy our official phone holder thing for cloud. I think they need to release over there a dedicated piece of hardware, even if it's a cloud-based one, Yeah, that they can package up and sell. And I say, think they need software as well, but like... Xbox into- Games Portable. I think the, soft, the piece of software that they need, honestly, would be a Monster Hunter attached to it. Yeah, Monster Hunter. But they like the, the chances of that happening are like slim to none, only because Capcom love their PlayStation. <laughs> well, they love Switch even more. Well, Monster yeah, Hunter. these days, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the top portable platform, so of course they're going to be looking at mm. that. Um, the next one comes from PC Gamer Molly Taylor over at PC Gamer says, and this is a, a bit of a mixed one. Uh, Saints Row developer is being shifted to Gearbox file, uh, following tepid launch. Uh, Embracer Group says Gearbox, quote, has all the tools to create future successes at Volition. Um, after a lukewarm re- reception to Saints Row reboot, uh, Embracer Group has announced that it will be plucking Volition from a play on, formerly Kosh Media, and handing it to Gearbox instead. Uh, as part of its uh, quarterly financial report, Embracer looked back at how Saints Row performed and the future of its uh, developer. While the parent company said that, quote, financially Saints Row has performed well in line with management expectations, end quote, critical reception was a different story. Uh, quote, the reception of Saints Row did not meet full expectations and left the fan base mm. uh, partially polarized, end quote. Uh, Embracer CEO Lars Wingfors said, uh, quote, the developer, the, sorry, the game development studio Volition has been working hard to improve the player experience, end quote. And there was, um, there was a patch that came out, like a fucking mammoth patch that just released this week that mm. tried to fix a whole bunch of issues like bugs and texture pop in and frame rate issues and all this other shit that um, the game had. And I, I, look, I reviewed it. It wasn't great. It wasn't like mm. a, you know, a gangbuster Saints Row title that you know, we were hoping for, or even like from just the pre-release um, materials that were publicly ready, avail- readily available for everybody, even media. We yeah, yeah. knew that it was going to be a bit of a, a sus launch. So um, to see that it's getting swallowed by Gearbox as well, I, 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 I don't know what the go is and why Gearbox were the first ones to be like, hey, let's pluck it from you. 
um, very weird. Very. But the thing weird. is, it's all under the same umbrella. Embracer owns all of them. Yeah. So it's it's it is weird to like I'm again I don't know enough about the business side of things to know why. So if Embracer is up here, mm. there's Gearbox, there's you know they've just bought Crystal Dynamics and Idos, yeah. and then they've got I think they've also got THQ and all. So it's weird to see them moving stuff they already own. Yeah. Under other little mini umbrellas. Yeah. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I feel like there's some weird stuff going on at Embracer because they've just announced that I think they're going to start winding down on the investments. Yep. Because remember, they went nuts and just started buying every small studio and a couple of small publishers out there. Mm. They've said they're now winding down on that stuff. So, yeah, there's some interesting things going on at Embracer. I've got a funny feeling that's not the last we'll hear of stuff going on there. Yeah, definitely. Um. I don't have this listed, but I should have. Uh, did you read about the uh, Mick Gordon situation over yeah, at... Yeah, we talked yeah. about it on our show. It's yeah. Very, very weird. So uh, uh, Bethesda also released a statement today, I believe mm. it was, and um, it, it really now is a... a, a like, for when the Mick Gordon um, essay was released, and, mm. you know, I kind of sat there and read through it, even though it took me a couple of hours uh, to kind of gauge... Oh, it's a very long essay. And uh, like I read about what happened. Yeah, there was there's definitely some shifty business happening, some bribe money trying to be uh pushed under the table and stuff. But then for Bethesda to publicly come out with a statement mm. like that. I don't I, I don't know. Like the, this now okay, And Bethesda so, said they've got receipts. Yeah, and that's and here's the thing. Like I've spoken to people mm. and I've said to them, there is so Mick Gordon has like this rep within the industry of actually asking yes. for a lot of money. And I mean, rightfully so. The bloke's are an amazing musician. Yeah. And that they've put forward, like Bethesda put forward that offer and said, okay, look, you know, uh, I don't think we can afford you for Eternal um, because you're asking for this. Like the story, I believe, uh, when Eternal was being developed, like Bethesda came out and said that they couldn't afford the services of Mick Gordon. They just couldn't. They flat out said, like, we can't afford him. He's just. But then his story was saying stuff like the game wasn't ready, but they were asking him to do music for a game that effectively didn't exist. And yeah. it's, you know, his music weaves into the gameplay. So how do you do that if there's no game and all this other stuff? And, you know, now Bethesda puts out this statement, which. Gets a bit scary. Like, if you're Mick Gordon on your own against the might of Bethesda, who is also behind them, Microsoft. And Xbox, yeah. And, and you've got Bethesda saying, we've got receipts. Now, there are some okay. people that have come out and said, well, why would Mick Gordon risk his whole career on lies? You know, why would he do that? Especially two years after the fact. Like, he's replied yeah. to that Reddit post two years later. Yeah. Which is very odd as well. Yeah, it's that, almost like the, there was a non-disclosure agreement that was signed and expired. Yeah, or 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 something else, but I won't yeah. cast dispersions there. Yeah, yeah. But my thing is, people are like, well, why would he risk his reputation? reputation. Why would he risk his career? People said the same thing about the Bayonetta actress. Yeah. And it turned out that she was being shifty with the truth as well. Yep. So it's 2022. Let's not have old time sensibilities about people's morals and about whether people would undo their careers when we've seen people in their own careers numerous times over the last five years. Yeah. 
um, big careers. Yeah. Kanye West. Yeah. Like, so don't just assume, oh, well, Mick Gordon would never ruin his own career to lie about something like this. Well, you don't know. That's what they said about the Bayonetta actress too. Yeah. So for Bethesda to come out and be like, we have the receipts, that's, that's got to be fairly scary for that's me. That's dangerous for him. He'd be shitting his pants. A, like he'd the, have to be a little bit. He'd there, have to be a little bit. There would be no way that Spencer, Phil Spencer would be reading that going, like he he would have been off his fucking, like honestly, that bloke, it would have been off his head saying, well, not off his head, but he would have been like angry about it. He would have been like, okay, time for an internal investigation. Find out what's going on. Yada, yada, Marty and this and all that stuff. Tell me what, what the F was happening. And then like, they would have been like, here's what we sent. Here's the receipts. Yada, yada. Mm. What do you think? Okay, we'll put out a formal statement. Formal statement That's goes an interesting out. question, isn't it? Yeah. That poses an interesting question. Did, is did Bethesda do this completely independently of Microsoft, or do you reckon they got a tick of approval from Microsoft? They would have had to get Daddy Spencer's approval. You there's reckon? No, yeah, there's no way. There's no way they would have been able to put out mm. put out this statement without Phil Spencer giving a thumbs That's up. It. I've got no idea. I no, just no, no. Obviously, not. A very interesting question as to yeah. whether they would have because they've been under Microsoft now for officially for like a year, year and a half, or yeah, so something like that. Yeah about, a, yeah, about a year and a half or so. So yep. I, I know Microsoft has said they're going to still allow them to operate independently <laughs> yeah. to an extent. Yeah. But I do wonder whether a statement like that did get the tick from Microsoft before going out. And if it did, that makes it scarier again. Because That's right. that means Microsoft, who has the weight of everything behind them, has seen that evidence and gone... Mix in a little bit of trouble here. Well, look, I look. If Spencer uh, was Spencer is a smart man. Um, I look. I, I've always said it. I kind of wish that Phil Spencer was running PlayStation because I think that he uh, he's a he's a genius. And um, when I look at it and I say he would look at this situation and be like, okay, internal investigation, yada yada. Give it, give uh, put out a formal statement, but also let's reach out to Gordon, to Mick Gordon, and. Uh, see what what the go is. Let, let's try and resolve this. Let's make sure that you know mm-hmm. everybody walks away happy from this. We don't need this to be a, a PR disaster for mm-hmm. either him. We don't want we don't want him to destroy his career. If anything, we want to work with him down like down the line. Yeah, that's right. You know, and we don't want it for us as well. Like there is no way that this would have come out and Microsoft would have sat there and ignored it and said and, and Spencer would have been like, yeah, whatever, take care of it. I don't. I honestly, I don't think that. Mm. There would have been any way Xbox could have ignored this. No way. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of accusations. A lot of accusations. Even if mm. it was before the acquisition and everything else, the fact that Xbox owned Bethesda and Mick Gordon has come out and kind of, you know, uh, crying foul of Bethesda, it still looks bad on Xbox. Mm. So, mm. um. Let's move on to the next one. Next one comes by way of uh, Tom Ivanover at VGC Video Games Chronicle, uh, who says uh, the oft delayed Dead Island, <sighs> Dead Island Two has again. been like again. This game was announced what 2011? Oh God, when was it announced? It was forever <laughs> ago. Um, so I'll read it quickly. Uh, first announced 2014. 
the zombie action RPG has suffered a series of delays and changes of uh, developer. So we're coming up to nine years. Nine years of this game being in quote-unquote development or even just development hell. And we're still not... This is this game is going to be dead on arrival. Like, don't even... How, don't. Well, that's the thing. How often do games in these situations come out and, like, smash it? Duke Nukem Forever. Didn't smash it. it <laughs> no, 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 not it smash it. An oh. example of how bad it was. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, these yeah. games that are just delayed upon delayed upon delayed rarely come out and have success. The Last Guardian. Rarely. <laughs> Well, yeah, the last, and, and even then, no one actually knows if that game was successful. No. Yes, I, it came well, out yeah. to critical, critical, some critical acclaim. Some. But was it actually successful? I don't, I don't Sony know. Sony even mentioned how many copies it sold, like they have other games. I, don't, so, I, can't, I can't recall. That's a good question. Uh, let's have, I'll give a quick Google. Uh, did the last, so there's a Reddit thread here that says did the last Guardian sold well. Not very. Uh, it started mm. uh, at number four in Japan and number seven in the UK. So, so I doubt it's re- relative to the PlayStation install base mm. that it released to. I doubt it was overly successful. The, in the end, yeah. again, lengthy delayed games are rarely smash hits, if ever. I can't because I can't actually think of one that came out and was like hugely successful. I can't think of a single one. Yeah, off the top of my head, anyway. Yeah. So the uh, delay. Uh, so this is from the official, and we know it's official because uh, I've clicked on the, the Twitter and looked at the ticket. <laughs> but mm. uh, the official Twitter uh, says the delay is just twelve short weeks uh, <laughs> after its sus- suspected uh, release date. Which is now I love the way they used weeks to make it sound shorter short, than yeah. saying three months. Three months. <laughs> it's three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new release date for Dead Island Two will now be April twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Because yeah, the shortest version is to say twelve weeks. Yeah, of course. Then the longer version is three months, and then the next longest version is sometime quarter one. <laughs> yeah. That's the next longest version. Well, I mean, like honestly, do you see it? Land honestly. Do you see it landing April 28th? Probably not. No. But, but even it. if it did, like, don't forget, we're talking about a sequel that's approaching a decade delayed. Yep. To a game that wasn't massively successful the first time around. No. It's not like the first Dead Island was this huge hit. Yes, no. it was okay. Yeah, it, it was, was great. But- okay game. I actually didn't mind it. Hmm. But it's not like it was this massive commercial hit. No. So. No, it's not like it uh, attained any accolades of like, you know, best game of, you know, this generational game of the year, whatever. Or best zombie game even. Yeah. Like uh, Dead Rising has come along since and Dying Light and all these other ones and Black Ops, yeah. uh, Black Ops, Call of Duty well, has Call the of most Duty popular zombies, zombie yeah, thing. Black Ops, yeah. Going around in the world. Yeah. So, but at the same time, they've pumped so much time and money into this, they probably don't want to cancel it. No, they don't. And, that, and that's what it is now. They've, they've come too far to, mm. to cancel that game. That's right. But do they honestly think that releasing this game is going to benefit them in any way? Like, we're at a point now where this could be one of the biggest commercial the point flops. of no return. 
No, they, and the that's point a, of no return, they are yeah. they are at a point of no return. It's and and it this plays out every time. A delayed game for a near decade gets released. I think the only th- the only um, company that I can think of that is still running, and I put running in quotations because uh, let's face it, uh, Gearbox was a Gearbox, not Gearbox. Fucking uh, who was it that did Duke Nukem Forever? Fucking. Oh god, that changed hands. Gearbox, I yeah. think, was on it at one point. Yeah, yeah. But that just kept changing hands, Duke Nukem. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, when this releases, it's whoever's the development team now. I believe that it's switched a couple of times already. But whoever the development team are, it's kind of like a, a curse. So, yeah, yeah. Just, just you know, I hope for the best for them if it does and. <laughs> Yeah, for, I for hope the it's sake a great game. Devs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, the final article here comes by way of Sammy Barker over Push Square, uh, who says Spider-Man 2 will have a different Harry Osborn on PS5, but it's going to be an incredible game. <laughs> uh, mm. Looks like Marvel Spider-Man 2 has a recast for the role of Harry Osborn with star Scott Porter revealing he will not return for the sequel in a now-deleted tweet. Porter, also who played uh, Heimdall to perfection in God of War Ragnarok, uh, alluded to I the fact... I thought I recognised yeah. his voice. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there hearing Heimdall. I'm like, who is the actor that's playing Heimdall? I feel like I recognise... Because I've played Spider-Man. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like I recognise Heimdall's voice. Yeah. Now I know why. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the fact that the developer Insomniac Games uh, had decided to go photo reel with its casting... Uh, in the hotly anticipated PS5 successor, and the quote, the difference uh, between me and Harry's ages was too much to overcome, I believe. Okay, so let, let's let's uh, kind of roll back the clock a little bit and talk about the Peter situation. So the original actor that they had for Peter on the PS4 version of the game, the very original, I was always Yuri. in the belief. I was I was in the belief that. Uh, uh, no, no, this is for Peter. So, like, for Peter, the original actor, I believe that they he always looked too old for the role. I Oh, sorry, I'm referring to the voice actor. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, I believe that... Uh, you're talking about Yuri Lowenthal, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, Yuri, Yuri Lowenthal can make it... Like, that bloke has got range. He can sound as young as he wants, that bloke. Well, he, but He's the voice of Peter, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He has a very, very accomplished voice actor. Um. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, uh, they made they retained Yuri Lowenthal for uh, the voice. Just mm. changed they changed the face on the on uh, Peter. In um, that's right. But I know. thought they changed the face to look more like Yuri. No, see that's the thing, right? Is that I okay? So you might be correct in some way, but I also believe that they changed the face to look more like Tom Holland, like a dollar saw Tom Holland. No, no, I, I'm pretty sure. Mm. That they changed the face on the PS4 version of Spider-Man. They changed Peter's face to look more like Yuri. Yuri Longfall? To look more... Not not look exactly like Yuri, but I think to look more like Yuri. Interesting. I believe. So now they're kind of doing the exact same thing here, where they're swapping out the face and the role, I guess, to a different actor. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it like a... I always found it a little jarring that they did it the first time around. I think it's going to be extremely jarring here, uh, you know, especially considering the fact that the sequel has a completely different face on him now. 
you know, and it's going to remain unpatched or unreleased until like they possibly do a remaster once again, mm. which wouldn't make sense. But and then or a patch or whatever. But it just kind of it's very jarring that they continue to do this. That Insomnia continues to swap faces it of main characters, especially in a digital world where it's not necessary. Yeah, like this isn't this isn't a movie. No, where Rhodes went from being oh, what's that actor's name? Who was played Rhodey originally in Iron Man? Oh, oh shit. God, I've gone completely blank on his name for some... Terrence Howard. Yes, that's so it. So yeah. we went from Terrence Howard to... My God, why am I going blank on these actors' names? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember either. Yeah, why am I going blank? But we changed actors in Iron Man, and of course that's noticeable because you're changing actors. But in a yeah. digital world, there's no need... It's not a necessity. To do that? No. Like, you can change the voice actor yep. without changing the physical appearance of the in-game character. Like, yeah. it's going to be weird now because if someone decides to do a back-to-back gameplay game uh, playthrough of Spider-Man and then Spider-Man 2, they're going to see two effectively two different characters in terms of Harry. Mm-hmm. Where I assume the Peter model will... Stay consistent. Well, now, now, now they're at a point where they keep the uh, the new look. They've done it for the remaster. They've done it for the PC release. That's right. They've done it for Miles so Morales. That's what I mean. So they'll keep the Peter look, and to the point of patching the old PS4 game to all the line. Mm. Will they do the same for Harry? Will they now go back and patch Harry in those older games? You mean in the remasters? Or yeah, you think in the PS- so, well, I mean, even even the PS4 base game because well, they didn't they didn't change it in the P- console. They didn't change it on the PS4. So if you play, if you continue to play the PS4 version, it's still the old face oh, of Peter. Is it still the old Peter? Yeah, that's even weirder again. Yeah, yeah, it, it just it baffles it baffles me the fact that they needed to do it in the first place. It's not like okay, I had that criticism again that he kind of looked older in the PS4 version. But it, mm. it it's a po- he's supposed to be it, it's supposed to be Spider Man late into his mm-hmm. like he's already experienced he's not a kid um, yeah yeah but now it's almost like again this new face that they've chucked on um, Peter in these remasters he looks now too young it's like make up your mm. mind set set the bar where you want it for this the for this uh, this bloke's age because it's now confusing mm. as to where he's supposed like. Where in his life he is? Is he supposed to be an experienced Spider-Man or is he supposed to be a kid? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that's that's pretty much I where just, it is. I was under the impression for some reason that they even patched the original PS4 one. No, no, they, 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 I didn't they didn't realize it. they left it. It was just a remaster, so you had to get the. So it's funny you had to get the ultimate edition for Spider-Man Miles Morales right. to actually get that. Um, mm. until they kind of did a separate release. And uh, it's funny, uh, I'm actually reviewing Miles Morales for PC as we're recording this. Like, a, there'll be a oh, review yeah. up tomorrow, cool. yeah. Um, and um, it's going to be weird because, like, again, uh, you know, we get uh, kind of still frame pictures of Harry in the game as well, and it's not going to be that Harry. It's going to be a different yeah, Harry, yeah. number two. It is weird, isn't it? It, it, there's a there's a disconnect and it becomes jarring. It, it really mm-hmm. like how are you supposed to be emotionally attached to a character if they keep changing appearance? Yeah, especially if it's across a franchise like multiple games. 
like some people can dispute it and say, oh, well, uh, Kratos didn't have a beard in God of War 1. No, but he looks the same. It's not the same yeah. thing. I was about to say, he just looks older and more grizzled. That's right. Like an old man that's put on a little bit of weight and <laughs> yeah. he's got the long beard. Yeah. But but even then, if you separate the OG trilogy from what is probably a new trilogy, yeah. there's still consistency within each series. So Correct. those hack and slash God of Wars, Kratos looks exactly the same in all three games. Yep. Then in these two, in 2018 and Ragnarok, he looks exactly the same. It's the same so character, then, yeah. Yeah, so Atreus looks the same in both. Yeah. Freya looks the same in both. Yep. Um, there's that consistency across the characters. Yeah. Because if you're telling a story that has an arc and a beginning and a middle and an end, then you need that consistency. That's right. And and that's where it's so, now kind of jarring again, where they keep mm. keep doing this. And like for people, like for for when Miles Morales came out, I didn't play the remaster. I I, I like when uh, PlayStation sent me the code for to review Miles Morales. I, it was just a regular uh, commercial, a regular commercial release code mm-hmm. uh, that didn't come with the remaster. So it really was like, mate, who, who, who are you talking to? Who's this bloke? I, I didn't, yeah. And it's like you had to understand that's Peter. It's just like does not compute. <laughs> mm. so. All right, what is it? Because even oh. Uncharted's the same. In what? In what? In what way you reckon? As in the consistencies there. Yeah. Drake looks like Drake yeah. all the way through to number four. Yes. Sully looks like Sully all the way through to number four. Like there's consistency with the characters across the four games. Yes. And that's so what they, helps that emotional... Same, same with Last of Us. Yeah, and that's what helps that emotional attachment too. So Yeah, that's true. I wonder why Spider-Man's the odd one out. It's just Insomniac playing chess or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. PlayStation. All right, Nick. Um, thanks to PlayStation on my end, they provided me a review copy of God of War Ragnarok. Um, thanks to your cousin who let you play his copy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Console sharing is great. <laughs> so, twenty-five dollars, uh, man. It's yeah, Jesus, one hundred twenty-five bucks, dude. Yeah, I know, I know man. It's getting hectic. Um, it's full on. But let's talk about it uh, because it's going to be an interesting coming from your perspective as, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, you're a gamer, but your your preference of platform is obviously Xbox or else, you know, like, mm. <laughs> you know, why would you run a website called Xbox era? But yeah, that's right. Um, it's, 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 um, I, w- I wanted to kind of uh, gauge uh, your thoughts about the game and its campaign. I think you said uh, you've played 30 hours so far. About th- I'm about 30 hours in. What have you, um, I don't what know if it's a spoiler saying where I'm up to. It might be. A spoiler warning uh, uh, for anybody out there. Yeah. I, I've been getting distracted by a lot of side missions though. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably not as far as I should be after 30 hours. Um, you know, I got to the Lake of the Nine. Nice. Uh, then I found the Norns. I just got the Spear, yep. which is a pretty cool weapon. Yep. And now that I got the spear, I've now remembered all those areas back at the start of the game yeah. that had those little holes, like the little with the air coming out. And I'm like, that's where I need to use the spear. Yes. But the game does kind of take you back around when you get the spear. So you're already kind of back there. Like it was, I actually thought that was quite cleverly done. Yeah. Because in my head, I was like, when I get this spear, 
I'm going to go all the way back to the start and get those bits with the spear. Right. I got the spear and found that I effectively, when I looked at the map, I was already brought back around virtually to the start. Yeah. So the game had already done what I wanted to do, which I which I actually appreciated. Yeah. Um. But yeah, 30 hours in, uh, I was talking about this on our show, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm enjoying the game because I'm a big Metroidvania fan, but I also mm-hmm. happen to be a big God of War fan. Um, so th- the game is scratching that Metroidvania itch where when I'm not playing, I want to be playing to collect all the stuff that I want to collect and upgrade myself and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, even after 30 hours, I'm undecided if I like it more than 2018. Mm. Like it's, it's this weird thing where technically mm. it is better than 2018 in most measures. I think technically, yes. In the way you measure what makes a good video game, yes, it is technically better than 2018. Yes. However, what bothers me is it didn't learn any of the lessons. In, so, okay. So th- this is interesting because I've heard this come from many, many people. They've, they've, they've mm. said the same thing, how they've kind of stripped back a little bit of uh, even Kratos's offense like his arsenal is he weaker is he stronger like some people couldn't really kind of uh match it with 2018 there's like a disparity there somewhere and i was i was under the assumption that what they wanted here was uh like a an aging uh kratos this is like we're at a point where this bloke is an old man you know like mm-hmm. he's old that's the point like yes he may be strong but you get old, you get weaker. It doesn't matter how much of a god you are. So, like, I think that's what kind of what they were trying to do. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, from that perspective, you're probably talking to the wrong guy because I'm infamous for like skipping mm. cutscenes and not caring much about story <laughs> in video games. Right. So that part wasn't my issue. Mm. My thing with Ragnarok is the two biggest complaints I had with God of War 2018 were. The equipment upgrade system and the menu involved in that yeah. was disgusting. Yeah. And the game was probably longer than it needed to be, yes. 2018. Yes. There was some forced grind uh, and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Ragnarok didn't learn those lessons. So the oh, yeah. upgrade menu system. Oh my God, it is such a mess. It's even worse somehow yeah. Yeah. in Ragnarok. It's somehow even worse it's than the 2018 mess. one. Yeah. And this game is even longer again than 2018. Like, like I, I find it odd. It's like, does anyone not play through this game before it goes gold to say, oh, guys, this bit with Atreus where you're riding mm. the yak probably goes a little bit too long it probably needed to be half that length yep oh that part where we're slow walking and talking through this part probably like it just i feel cinematic like cinematic moments sequence, yeah it's all going longer than it needs to go yeah and and you know across twitter i've seen so many people complain about the atreus ironwood sequence yeah so many because it just goes forever and yeah. it's in such an unnecessary way, like yeah. we get it. That's the land of the gods, and 
that girl whose name I can't pronounce properly. Neither can I. You know, her, <laughs> her grandmother is bad and yeah, yeah, we get the point. You don't need to take us on a two hour yak ride. No. To get to that point. It bogs and, down. And you look, know what, mate? You, you know what's unfortunate about it? I what? think I actually prefer Atreus's combat to Kratos. A lot of people have said that as well. Yeah. The actual physical combat when you are fighting an enemy as Atreus, I think I actually prefer it to Kratos. Yeah. But then they undo it and make you hate him by giving him sequences that are boring. Yeah. I, I think so from what you've said, I complete, I, I agree completely with you. So the thing is the game um, really has uh, a pacing issue more or less. It really mm. kind of, uh, yes. they're, they're, I understand they want to have that, you know, real human uh, bond like with, uh, so they want to connect to their audience on a, on a, on a relatable level with Kratos mm. in, you know, both games, honestly, more Ragnarok than I'd say 2018. Um, yep. I think that, you know, Kratos starts to become a little softer in his character, in his personality yes. in Ragnarok. Mm. He's but, far less cold in this one. Correct, yeah. And, you know, obviously I think, like, there, there are some parts in it where he even, like, kind of uh, refuses to be that asshole as well like mm, vocally mm. even says it now i don't want to be like that anymore but it's it, it's um it's funny because like you said uh with atreus the uh the dialogue that bogs down moments uh mm. of like just kind of wanting to get that emotion but getting it quick like let us digest it quick enough so we can move on you know like yeah it's just too much in one hit understand that like we don't. We don't necessarily need, you know, uh, a, a back and forth for uh, half an hour, or an hour, or just a walk on a walk, or you know, on the boat or whatever. It just there's enough to happen while events are happening around you that you could fit that mm-hmm. dialogue in at more of a, a an expeditious pace. Like we don't need it to be slow all the time. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, And it, it, I feel like it's a thing that's been bogging down a lot of Sony's releases in the last few years. Yeah. Like Uncharted 4 had a major pacing issue, like to the point where for me it completely ruined the game. Like, mm-hmm. and again, what made it frustrating was Uncharted 4 was the one Uncharted game where they nailed every other aspect of the game. Yeah. Visually incredible. Gameplay was the best it had been in the series. Gunplay was the best it had been in the series. Uh, all, all that side of it was great. They had finally nailed all of it by the fourth game. Yeah. But then they completely undid it with shocking pacing. Like Uncharted 4 felt like a 100-hour game. Yeah, it did. I know it wasn't, but it felt like one. It did, yeah. Like it was just Last of Us 2 the same. The second half of oh, The Last God. of Us, the second half, I just beat Last of Us last month. The second half of The Last of Us is so completely. I thought you meant part two. How it's paced. Yes, I sorry. Just... I, I, I meant part two. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, part two, yeah. Last of Us part two is the second half of it is paced so much better than the first half. Oh, see, but that's, I agree with you on that. And a lot of people did not. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, a lot of people didn't. I, I don't know necessarily whether it was just Abby hate or whatever it may have been. Maybe. It, let, let's just jump on that train. 
But for me, it was like, I actually enjoyed Abby's side a little more than what I did. Yes, Ellie's. I did too. I enjoyed and, the Abby half more. But the problem was, even if I did like the Abby half more, it really felt like, okay, is this the closing act? No. Is this where it ends? No. Yeah, Why hasn't this game fucking ended? I know. They just... The problem is it's it's back to that whole PlayStation first party games on PlayStation Plus thing. Yeah. Sony has dug themselves into a bit of a hole now. So Sony's first party games are very, 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 very expensive to make. Yes. And generally those games aren't the money drivers for PlayStation. Mm. Like we were talking about before. It's the third party stuff because they sell the most on PlayStation. The first party games are the window dressing to get you in. They don't make all the money because they mm. cost so much to make and market. Yeah. But the thing is, because those games cost so much and because they're obviously now charging more for them, yeah. I assume Sony feels like they need to justify that price. And the way they do that is to pad out the games and make them longer. Where And I completely understand why, because most gamers, I'm not one of them, I love my short games. But most gamers, when they pay their 60 US, 70 US, 100 Australian, 125 Australian, they demand that it has to go for 30 hours, 40 that hours, experience. 50 hours, 60 hours. Yeah. And so these AAA studios have to just, they're like, my God, no, nah, man, we've only got a story that can fill 10 hours of game. What do we do? Bog it. Chuck a million collectibles in and throw all these side missions in and repeat this part but change the scene. And, re- and they pad out the games artificially. Yeah. Where me, I would love for these games to be short 8 to 10 hours that are punchy, paced quickly, lots of action, lots of cool sequences and all that's what i loved about the og god of war games that's yeah. what they were yeah those og god of war games were all action 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 yeah you had some qtes that made you feel cool because they were doing cool stuff and yeah but it was just all about the action like i barely remember any of the cutscenes in the og god of wars because they didn't have that many mm. where now that's the way they're doing it and that the production value is so much and so expensive and yeah. it's like they need to justify that cost through artificially lengthening the games. Yeah. And, and I think the games suffer for it. It's funny, that you, it's funny that you mentioned Uncharted as like uh, one of those prime examples because I believe that Uncharted, I love Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. Mm. I think it's the best out of the series. Um, I like the first one the best. You like the first one the best? Yeah. Mm. I, 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 I honestly, love the first yeah. one. The first one's amazing as well. I mean, if it wasn't for the first, obviously, I wouldn't have gotten so much into the second, invested mm-hmm. in the second. But I believe that Uncharted 2 was really kind of the uh, the catalyst of why now we're experiencing yes. more first-party titles being cinematic adventures. Like 100% it was Uncharted 2. Yeah, rather than like them being games. Even, you know, Ratchet yeah. & Clank have adopted this kind of format where, you know, know. <laughs> where, you know, every, you know, few uh, events we get a cinematic in between yep. and all this stuff. And we're kind of sitting there with the controller in our hands and going, well, oh, all right. We're watching movies. Now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. and don't get me wrong. I kind of, I enjoy it sometimes. Like I really do. But half the time I kind of sit there and I go, well, it can be a little shorter. 
It could be a little shorter. There's no reason mm. to kind of stretch it out as much as they have. But um, in but terms of got, is, yeah, go on. You, I mean, you might be old enough to remember cutscenes in video games back in the day. They weren't. They generally weren't there to deliver the story. They were usually there to link you between your levels. Yeah. They were there to show you, oh, this is what happened between level one and this is what happened between level two. So this is how you got to the snow level. Yeah. This is how you got to the desert level. Yeah. This is how you got to the water level. Yeah. That where post, like you said, Uncharted 2, it's now become, well, no, now the cutscenes are how we're going to tell most of the story. Mm-hmm. And while Last of Us 2 was probably the catalyst, I think... Did I say Uncharted 2 or Last of Us You said 2? Last of Us, but anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I meant Uncharted 2. Yeah. While Uncharted 2 was the catalyst, I feel like The Last of Us, the first one, was, was when Sony was like, okay, this is the track we're staying on forever. What was the framework? we're not going to deviate from it. It was the framework. Like, Uncharted, Uncharted 2 remained as the framework that like pushed even The Last of Us to be what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, then other studios were just borrowing that. I mean, look at when they rebooted Tomb Raider, same formula. You know, you look mm-hmm. at other series as well that just started kind of adopting, uh, you know, numerous cutscenes within gameplay, uh, you know, in between. And like you said, they were bridge. in Like back in the day, they were just bridge, like bridges mm. in between levels. And pretty yeah. much, yeah. I mean, like you go back, like we're talking, like let's go, like if you think about it, let's go back all the way to freaking uh, some of like uh, the old Nintendo games back in the day, and you know some Capcom games that you know the the, the beat 'em ups that used to have like little yeah. little moments of just kind of uh, slight, uh, you know, uh, uh, fo- uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Just slides and pictures. Yeah, they were just basically slides and mm. and words underneath that would explain the situation. That that was the, that was the story, right? But you could mm. you know, skip it and skip it and skip it whatever, but you get there, but it's quicker to explain. You get a lot of story back and you're right back into the action. I'm not necessarily yeah. saying that that's how games should be now. I mean, you know, we've come a long way and, you know, developers work really really hard around the clock to kind of give us these moments and those experiences. They want us to walk away with, you know, uh you know, elevated uh, uh, sensation of, you know, uh, just emotion, an elevated emotions uh, that, you know, kind of come out. But we're still ultimately playing video games, though. Yeah, of course. That's what what frustrates me. We're still, I, I don't, I'm not liking this direction where things are going, where they're chasing movies more than they're being video games. Do you think like, that God of War did that, Ragnarok did that too much? All of Sony's first-party games do it. Well, uh, it's not just Ragnarok; they all do it. Like, I love the original. I said this on our show. I love the original God of War for its gameplay and for yeah. its spectacle, not because it was telling a cool movie story. Like, I loved the gameplay was super tight back on those original well, God of War two, games. Yeah. Um, the the gameplay was ridiculously tight, and it and it. God of War gave you those moments during the game. So mm. I'll never forget playing through an entire level in God of War 2, mm-hmm. which is an indoor level. You finally get a door outside and find out that the whole time you've been on the back of a Titan. Yeah. The whole entire time you were on a Titan. That to me is a moment that lives with me forever and it yeah. wasn't told in a cutscene. 
It was told purely through the game and the way it was designed. And only games can do that, which is why it frustrates me that Sony, who's in a unique position, Mm. Sony right now as the, I won't call them the market leader, but the mind share leader, is in a unique position to be able to take games in a unique direction that only games can go. Yeah. Movies are movies are movies. If I want to go watch a movie, I'll go watch a movie. Yeah, And true. they're cheaper. When I play a game, I'm looking for something that only games can give me. Mm. So only games can give me what happened in God of War 2. Only games can give me Would You Kindly in Bioshock. Only, only games can do those things. So I find it frustrating mm. when the the industry leader in terms of mind-sharing games has this power where anything they basically do within reason is fawned over and, and celebrated and they're not using that position of, the pa- of power to actually do something unique in the medium. What about, okay, so I would argue what about Gears of War, that it does it a lot. Um, where yeah, that's right. Gears of War, Gears of War, well, Gears of War did it before Sony was doing it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like so, Gears of War did it a lot, and they still do it a lot. Yeah. When you know the you know yeah yeah latest latest releases, if anything, more and more it becomes more cinematic. I remember the last one being just as cinematic as any of them. And um, yeah, I I didn't like Gears Five. I'm yeah. famous for not liking Gears Five for that reason. It chased the Sony uh, trend. Open world, lots of collectibles, lots of cutscenes, lots of slow walk and talk. I found Gears 5 boring as a result. What It went okay. away from what made Gears Gears. Yeah. So I would argue this in, in kind of a different argument that I've put forward to a lot of people in the past, which is there's an archaic system of running an RPG and the way that they used to run it to prolong their campaigns because of mm. hardware limitations, right, is like basically screen up, you got a choice of, uh, you know, you got a screen of enemies, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. That that pretty much was how an RPG worked. You got a map, you got a screen, go. That's right. Uh, these days, it's a lot more uh, diverse in the way it's presented. Persona 5 being the prime example of it, uh, becoming mm. a lot more cinematic, great storytelling and everything else. I think it's the only game that I can give, uh, like I can excuse for kind of being lengthy, but also giving me, uh, content in between. It's not always there's not. It's not always cinematic. You know what I mean. Like there's yeah. gameplay there, but it's an RPG, and that's what you expect. You want it to be lofty. You want it to be bountiful. You want it to have a lot of stuff in it. Um, I can say the same in terms of where I can, I can kind of akin it to what they were doing. What what they were doing back with old games, you know, platforms and everything else that had uh cinematics in between. A good example would probably be Super Mario Galaxy where you would, you know, play the platformer and then, like, have a quick cutscene where, you know, Mario would make some sounds and go, oh, and then they cut it off and then you keep going. Um, Mario Odyssey did the same, in a way, because that's mm. kind of what Nintendo's MO is. But again, they, they were cutscenes to show you how Mario was going to the next world. That's all yeah. they were. Yeah. They weren't telling a story per se. Well, Nintendo... Nintendo, they're, they're notorious for the silent protagonist. Then they, they did it mm. again in Zelda, but the difference being in Breath of the Wild, there was actually dialogue and voice acting. 
Yes, there was those cutscenes were more in line of we're telling the story mm. through these cutscenes. Yeah. Which I skipped. So I had no <laughs> idea what Breath of the Wild was about. Oh wow. Um okay. But even in those older games, again, like it, everything was about showing you how you were getting to where you were getting. The story yeah. was generally told within the game if there was a story. Yeah. Or you had just super super short little cutscenes, damsel in distress type stuff. Mm. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like even Gears, like I feel like it's funny. Uncharted 2 was the moment for Uncharted and I feel like Gears 2 was the moment for Gears. I feel like the Gears 1 cutscenes were less telling the story and, again, more showing you where you were heading. Yeah. Where Gears 2 was where it started to get more cinematic and deliver the story through the cutscenes. Like, that's when Maria died and that's when Dom had his moment and it was all in the cutscenes. So if you skipped those, you didn't get any of that stuff. Yeah. How much of... how much Again, it's just... How much of Ragnarok... That's just a me thing. How much of Ragnarok have you skipped, though? I can't. You can't skip Ragnarok's cutscenes. Oh, that's right. Thing. You can't. Yeah. So that's you a, can't. You can't. You have to sit through it. Yeah. I've been forced to just sit and watch them. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And and part of that I understand because of the way it's shot. That whole one shot thing they do for well, years. yeah. It's it's the it's the the third person how it kind of swivels around and then straight into the gameplay. It never cuts. Game. God of War was famous for ne- the first God of War twenty eighteen was famous for the one shot method that they use there's no yeah. cuts yeah so um i i understand apparently on if you play through a second time or new game plus does it have new game plus i assume it has new game it does plus. yes yeah i think on second playthrough you can skip cutscenes, mm-hmm. which would be interesting to see in execution for a one-shot game i don't know but, why that yeah. wouldn't uh maybe maybe that's why i've uh, assumed that it was in the original because honestly like when i reviewed it obviously i wasn't going to skip anything but um, yeah. I didn't know. I honestly, uh, like when I've gone through it a second time and the option there was to skip it because obviously I've, I kind of went back into it to, you know, like when I had to refine my review, I had to look at things again. So it kind of was easy mm-hmm. to skip, but the fact that you can't do it primarily in your primary, uh, playthrough, it's interesting that they, uh, dis- disallow it or disable it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, Which I was is gonna- weird because like last of us two lets you skip them. But that the different, you know, different studio as well. So their their vision is not the same. Yeah, I know, but yeah, I just find that interesting. Um, I was going to ask you before we wrap it up. What what um? So through the thirty hours that you have played of it, though, and of the story and the gameplay, would you say that mm-hmm. like it kind of um has met your expectation? Has it disappointed you in terms of it? No, uh, the it's, way it- it's what it's what I expected. Yeah. It is what I expected. Like, I know there was a lot of talk and people were sort of hanging a bit of crap on it saying, oh, it looks like DLC for God of War 2018. And, and I mean, that's, I feel like that's the nature of games these days. Iterative sequels are iterative for a reason. They're built off the same game. Correct. Generally the same engine. And they're only, especially when it's such a, if it's such a big franchise, the bigger the franchise, the safer the sequel's going to be. Yeah. It's just a fact of life. That's right. Gears Gears 2 looks like Gears 1 and Gears 3 looks like Gears 2. Yep. And then Gears 4 only looks like Gears 3 but on better hardware and same with Gears 5. But if you looked at Gears 1 and looked at Gears 5, you're not going to notice a massive difference. Correct, yeah. Because it's such a big franchise, they're going to play it safe. Yeah. So 
if you had told me that God of War Ragnarok started life as an expansion for 2018, I would have believed you. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm in the same uh, boat. If you yeah. told me that's how it started its life, and then a quarter of the way through, they're like, no, nah, I think we can flesh this out and really make it its own game, which then became Ragnarok, I would 100% believe you. Yeah. Oh, I'm 100%. in the same. I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, like they're not going to change. The, they're not going to rapidly change that formula because, like, a lot of people that have played God of War 2018, which was a commercial success for Sony, for Sony Santa Monica, you massive. know, massive. So they're not going to really change that formula because then people will be like, well, "What the fuck? Why? Why change something That's what that I'm we love?" The the bigger the franchise, the safer they're going to be with the sequel. Yeah, correct. They're only uh, going to take those risks with the smaller stuff that might like that. that I mean, that's why God of War changed to begin with. Yeah. Because Ascension, like God of War was waning and Ascension didn't do much. So they knew they needed to change it up. Yeah. That's why we got such a radical shift from the hack and slash God of Wars to this or part of the reason why. Yeah. It, the next God of War, if there is going to be another God of War, won't be hugely different again. No. The only difference you're going to see in the next God of War will be technical stuff because it'll be PS5 only. Mm-hmm. So you'll see better graphics, faster load times, yeah. no more load masking sequences It'll like be walking on the around the tree, pro. waiting for a white door to appear in a tree. Yeah. You're not going to have that sort of stuff because yeah. it's now built off the PS5. Yeah, yeah. Very weird that, that loading, like that, that cloak, that basically they pull up, you know, to to skip worlds and everything, and yeah, you know, it was obviously just a loading, a fancy loading screen. That's right, it's a fancy loading screen. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 odd to see it uh, in because it's still a PS4 game, though. Yeah, it's exactly. Still, it's still ultimately a PS4 game that's yeah. been updated mm. for the PS5. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately. So they can't really change that framework. They can't change that because it's too rap like it's too much to change just because of well the PS4 wouldn't be able to handle it. The, P- Correct, the PS4 yeah. needs you crawling through a wall. The PS4 needs to be walking around the tree waiting for the door to I, appear. I, which yeah. means the PS5 needs it. Definitely I'm curious as to the load times on the PS4, that's for sure. Oh my <laughs> god, I wouldn't even want to know about it. Because those white doors in the tree don't appear that quickly even on PS5. Like, I was expecting them to appear borderline. Almost immediately. Instantly. Yeah. Thinking, oh, well, on PS5, they'll just appear pretty much straight away. Nah, man, some of them still took a while to appear. Now, I don't know if that was because they wanted to have Kratos having the conversation with the characters while you waited. Yeah. Or if it was an actual required load. Um, But I would expect the next God of War won't have them at all. Did your PS4 Pro sound like a, a jet engine? Um, See, isn't that funny? Mine wasn't that bad. Really? I've seen all the videos that people post, and I've seen all all that stuff where the PS Pros, the PS4 Pros, and even the PS4s, especially now with Ragnarok, are like loud as mine. Actually, I must have been super lucky. See, you you know what it is as well. I've noticed because your PS3, you're slim. That thing is is looking clean. Like I my so I'm not saying that I don't clean my consoles regularly. My silver one, the the P, the PS3 Slim that uh, you posted a yeah. photo of it the other day on Twitter. Yes, and I was looking at it, I'm like shit. That thing looks clean. <laughs> I clean my consoles like 
all monthly. the time. So that would mm. aid your PS4 Pro. But I would do the same too. But I also had a PS4 Pro release day. So, so to, uh, I had I had the God of War one. I bought the God of War PS4 Pro. So you had a little later. That had the... No, no, no. I, I, did I still buy a standard one? Oh, you still bought a standard one? Oh, no. Nah, the, the God of War one might have been my first Pro. It might so, have been my first Pro. So for mine, I bought mine on launch and had it right through until the PS5. So for mine, it started off quiet. By the end of it, I, I couldn't hear over my TV. So I can only imagine. Really? Yeah, it was that loud, dude. I can only imagine that there are people out there playing Ragnarok right now on those things. Mm. And they wouldn't be able to hear shit. <laughs> yeah. The, the only consoles I've ever owned that were like legitimately loud, as in distractingly so. Yeah. Were the Dreamcast. Yes. And the Wii U. The yeah, Dreamcast actually, yeah. And the Wii U. The Wii U is very loud. Very loud. Like, Disc spinning inside of it makes the, oh the, my the God, whole thing and the rattle. Fans <laughs> and, and, and the Dreamcast was loud as, but they're the only two consoles I can think of where I like legit remember, my God, this thing was loud. God. Um, Everything else, like the Xboxes are creepily silent. God, the Xbox. I remember when I got the One S, I was like, this thing doesn't make a sound. As in, is it on? Like, is yeah. it working yeah. quiet? Like, so good. I expect, at this point, I expect to hear a little bit of noise, but the One X, I actually, I will say, yeah, my the One, One X, X as well was really, really quiet. Well, it was at the start. So, the okay. same way you said after a while your PS4 Pro got louder, my mm. One X got louder. Oh, okay. There you go. With time. And that's despite cleaning it, despite dusting it, despite all that stuff. My One X, and I had two or three different One Xs because mm. I got a launch one, then I got like a limited edition one. And <laughs> all my One Xs, after a certain amount of time, yeah. started to get louder. All of yeah. them. I never suffered that. Mm. Yeah, I did with the One X. But my PS4 Pro, I kept seeing everyone complain about the Pro. And I'm like, man, I can hardly hear my. That thing got too loud, dude. Seriously. I was so happy with uh, the infrastructure of the PS5 because I tell you what, if it was that loud, I would have been piffing it through a window. It was just. Yeah, I mean, I hear my PS5 a little bit when it plays PS4 games. Okay. Only when it plays PS4 games. Hmm. Um, And there's a little bit. It's got a little bit of. Oh, it's got a hum on it, but. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of. But but so does my. Almost almost like half hum, half buzz. Yeah. But so does not, my, not quite either. So does my Series X as well. Like, like I'll, I'll leave that thing to the side and I'll hear it kind of go off if it's updating a game or installing something. Mm-hmm. But it's not like excessively loud like how the PS4 Pro was. Like I'm no. talking, this PS4 Pro, you'd bloody have to get a, an air traffic controller in here and go fucking, all right, you ready for takeoff? It was bad. It was bad. The funny thing is the Series S is even more silent than the X. Yeah, there you go. The Series S is off the charts. You do not know that thing is on unless you see that Xbox logo light up. That's the only way you know it's on. Unbelievable, the Series S. Unbelievable. Well, that was our talk about God of War. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I want to say thanks once again to PlayStation Australia for providing a review coded my way. Um, But, yeah, make sure you guys head on over to dashgamer.com and read the full written review that is up right now. All right, guys, it is time for the drop. Uh, this week, we've got a bit of a list here, Nick. Um, there's a few games coming out for PlayStation. Um, so I'll read off uh, from the top here. 
today's the 18th we're recording this, so I'll start from the 18th up here. Uh, so Ease 8, uh, Lacrimosa of Dana for PS5. Um, Dark, uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology, The Devil in Me uh, for PS4 and PS5. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales is uh, also out, I think technically tomorrow in Australia. They're actually holding off because of Steam release, so uh, it'll be November mm. 19, actually, so... Uh, but November, uh, continuing November eighteenth, Heidelberg sixteen ninety three for PS four and PS five. Heidelberg, uh, Evil mm. West, Evil West uh, for PS4 and PS5. Uh, this is November 22 now. Uh, Gungrave Gore for PS4 and PS5. Saint Kotar for PS4 and PS5. Ship of Fools for PS5. Uh, the Night Witch uh, for PS4, PS5 on November 29th. Uh, Soccer Story for PS4 and PS5. I think that's the same developers as Golf Story as well, I believe. I assume so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the 30th, uh, Garfield Lasagna Party. That's going to be game of the year uh, for PS4 and yeah. PS5. <laughs> uh, Romancing Saga. December, December 1st, Romancing Saga, Minstrel Song, Remaster for PS4 and PS5. Callisto Protocol, December 2nd uh, for PS4 mm. and PS5. Excited. Excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. December 2nd, yep. Uh, Nifa Speed Unbound for PS5. And, Can't wait for that. Yeah, same. Marvel's Midnight Suns on PS5. So that oh, is. Yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Midnight it is. Midnight Suns. <laughs> I think I feel like I keep forgetting that game exists. Really? Yeah, I do. I keep forgetting. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> isn't, that like a car- isn't that like a card game? It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a Gwent deal kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. interesting. <laughs> not for me, not for me. Uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> guys, if you didn't know, this has been Operation PlayStation, a bi weekly conversational podcast where I talk with friends about PlayStation. Um, Nick, where can the kind people follow you if there's anywhere that they can follow you by the end of today? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. First, firstly, I'll apologize for hijacking the show and who cares? It's uh, been great dragging it across too many tangents, like I do on my I don't own care. show. It's been awesome. Uh, which you can catch uh, at xboxera.com, where you can access all of our content. We have the YouTube channel for the podcast. The, the podcast is the main part of it. Yep. Uh, where you'll see me go on even more tangents. Our show goes for like. Three hours, hours normally or more. <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've dragged this show to two hours. This I don't care. It's only meant to it's be an awesome. hour show and I've dragged it to two. It's been awesome. Um, so yeah, xboxero.com, news, reviews. Uh, we have a forum. We have a Game Pass app called Day One. Nice. We have a Halo Forge app called Forge Era. Um, the podcast is there. It's all there. Nice, so very Xbox nice. You'll see a link, and actually, for those who watch this on TV, because apparently people watch this podcast on TV, uh, a QR code uh, below Nick right now that you can scan and head over to XboxZero.com. Um, for Dash Gamer as well, make sure that you uh, hit that follow button, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch the VOD that, uh, on either platform. Hit subscribe, like, follow, share, all that good stuff. Give us those cheeky five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, because Spotify now have a star system too. So um, make sure you do all that. Uh, but until then, I'll be back in another two weeks. Thanks once again, Nick, for joining me, man. It's no been worries. an awesome, awesome show. It's been um, good. Uh, you're always welcome to come back, dude. You know that. So doors no always open, mate. Um, but guys, until then, this operation is complete.
www.gamer.com